Welcome to another edition of Mind on My Money, presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCready, Martin Palomo, Reed Davis, both of Pinnacle Trust, kind enough to uh, join us. I guess it's Reed and and his uh, his apprentice Martin uh, here with us on the uh, on the big show today. Hope you're having a great day. Hope you have a great weekend. As we tape this on a Thursday morning, it's Easter weekend. Happy Easter to everyone out there. And uh, it's April the first, so be careful on April the first. Um, even think about that. Yeah, April Fools, man. I, pulling I, pranks on on everyone today. I could be. I could have pulled a prank on you just then, and you wouldn't have known the yep. difference. I would have not even thought about it. I should have. I blew that opportunity. Complete waste of an opportunity. Just handed to me, and I, it was a hanging curveball, and I missed it. That's the worst, <laughs> by the way. If you ever played baseball and a pitcher hangs the curve, you're looking for the curve. He hangs the curve. You have your weight back, everything, and you foul it straight back because you just miss it. Is the worst feeling in the world. You finish that and you just want to take the bat and beat yourself over the head, call yourself out, do the umpire's job for you. It's the worst feeling ever. I actually never made it that far because, you know, we went to like 11, 12 baseball and you felt like you were pretty good. Then we went to 13, 14 and I went to the first practice and people were throwing from 60 feet and curveballs were coming and it just, it ruined me emotionally in baseball forever. I couldn't, I could never put the bat on the ball again. So, I never got to stick around long enough to be able to hit a curveball and then finally sit on the, the hanging. But well, unless you make it all the way to the to the big leagues or whatnot, and even for some of them, there there is that sobering moment of oh my god, I'm not good enough to do this. And it is typically when someone is throwing heat, and then they mix in a curveball that buckles your knees, and you realize oh I have no chance here. No that's chance. a that's a very sobering moment uh, for for anyone that's ever picked up a bat and so uh that that moment that moment happens to people at different ages and anyone who plays the game pretty much happens to them at at whatever point i watched a major league hitter get humbled the other day by a 100 mile per hour sinker and he uh he he looked at it didn't swing it was a strike and you could see his soul leave his body right there in the batter's box (laughs) (laughs) mine left me at highland park at age 13 at the practice i remember it like it was yesterday (laughs) i got in the car my dad goes what happened out there? I said, baseball's over, Dad. <laughs> My career is over. I'm retiring. Um, <laughs> so I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for my friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and uh, the rest is up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done. That's Hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. And Reed, let me know if Martin's back from uh, his coffee run for you. And if he is, I'll get him to tell the people a little bit about Pinnacle Trust. Fixing the, the creamer up right now. Yeah. We're ready. Uh, Neil, how do you, how do you, how would you like, do you, you, you probably drink tea, right? I, I drink, like, I drink tea as sometimes I'm, I'm more of a, a coffee person. I was hoping that you would have gotten my oh. order by now. I, I sent it earlier in the day. Uh, missed it. I'll, let me run back out. I'll be right back. Okay. How did you take it? Do you take it with cream too, or do you take it like a man and drink it black? You know, I'm I'm going to let that go on this on this time. You know, I, I'm just going to I'm going to let that go. Yep. That's a curveball that I'm just going to say. You know what? I, I I'm still ahead in the count. I'm going to let that one roll. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I drink mine with a little bit of sweetener in it, but anywho. Uh, man, glad to be back. I'm glad that we can laugh at ourselves a little bit and, and have a good time. Um, 
Man, I'm coming to you from uh, the Pinnacle Wealth Studios over here in, in Madison. Uh, happy Easter to everybody. Hope everyone is rocking and rolling and, uh, and getting ready to, uh, to get some Jesus on or whatever your flavor is of spiritual practice. Um, kind of a side note, dude, the backlash on that fella for those black Nike sneakers with the blood in it has been, has been pretty intense. It's pretty, it's pretty bold of him to do it right in the middle of Holy Week too. So, well, um, and this whole 666 pair pairs, I mean, we're, you know, you're, I'm sorry. Can somebody tell me what's going on here? I, I, I bro, actually checked the news. What did I miss? Bro, I don't do social media. It's though. the dude that did the Old Town Lil Nas X. There Lil we go. Nas. He took some Nikes and like made uh, Nike didn't endorse it. It's you know him on his own with with someone else and made these shoes that I guess and 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 Neil, correct me if I'm wrong if I misstate anything like the. Maybe it was the re- the swoosh was red and had liquid in it, and it had dr- a drop of human blood. That is correct. In the liquid, and then like it on the back of the shoe. Did it say what did it, did it say Satan or did it say six 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 or Satan? What did it say on the on the outside back of the shoe? You know, I didn't go that far. Um, I know this will shock you, but that I did not wish to add those to my wardrobe, so I never I never went any further. Yeah, I didn't try to get a pair either, but I did. <clears throat> I love Chick Fil A's response because they very quickly uh, created a shoe that was white and red <laughs> with uh, a <clears throat> with the Bible verse on it, and and I, I don't Chick Fil A's not being serious. I don't. I don't believe. Well, you're gonna have to spit and get in front of your mic on that the, one. The, the Satan shoes have uh, they have a Luke ten eighteen on there. Don't call yourself out, man. For what? Not knowing what Luke ten eighteen is. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, I, feel, I feel okay <laughs> about everything. I just anyway, I'll, I'll keep on I'll keep on rocking and rolling while, while Reed is doing a little bit of research. Um, but man, the markets uh, markets have been have have shown up and shown out, uh, you know, pretty well this year, depending on on where you are in, in the in your investment uh, allocation. And one of the things that um, you know, that we did here recently was we made some changes, uh, to our portfolios, um, that were pretty tactical, uh, trying to protect folks money and then, and then be able to get them a little bit of extra return with the environment we see kind of setting up. So, you know, I know a lot of people have been doing it on their own. I actually had, we read and I had a client that, uh, he had money at Schwab that he was managing on his own. He took some big bets, made some some big money last year and he called us and was talking and he's like, man, I think I'm ready for you guys to, to take this back over. He's like, I don't have the, I don't have the intestinal fortitude to, to ride the, the waves like that. He's like, I want to keep what I've got. So, you know, if folks are listening they find them, themselves in that situation too, or, you know, had a life event getting close to retirement or selling a business. Um, that's what we're good at helping people solve. So give us a call 601-957-0323. Uh, or you can reach us email info at pinntrust.com. Um, and you can also reach us on social media, either through our Facebook page, uh, at Pinnacle Trust, or Mind on My Money Podcast. So what's going on today? There's a lot happening in the, in the, in, in the financial world. I know um, I was telling you that I, had, I have questions about, I guess, President Biden's um, infrastructure plan, one that appears to be built on taxing businesses so 
and I know that's way too simple of a of a of a summary on on how the the, the plan, if passed, would be funded. But um, as the owner of a small business, which is essentially what I am, and I know you guys are are part of a of a business, it makes me a little antsy when I hear that uh, taxes are going to be raised on business to pay pay for infrastructure. But I know there's some other topics that you and Reed want to get to. Uh, yeah, well, let's, 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 let's hammer the one you, you said first, we'll save the good news for, for last, but I am curious, Reed, did you find the Luke 10? Yeah, I've, I've actually already closed the, the picture out, so I can't quote it perfectly, but essentially it says that Jesus or God sent the devil down as a bolt of lightning. Or... Oh, right on. So I guess that reference the shoe and the Satan shoe and boom. Yeah, it yeah. has it hasn't fully tied it all together for me yet, but I've, I've moved but on. But the door is somewhat closed, and you're not you're not interested any longer. I moved, I've moved on. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, let's talk about taxes, Neil. Um, yeah. So you know the infrastructure plan is pretty bold. He's got a lot in there, um, and and not that it's new news in regards to you know how he would want to pay for it because he's you know he's said that he would raise the corporate tax rate. Um, you know, back to around 28%, um, which, you know, is still, it's still lower than where it was, but, you know, an increase on, you know, on the largest corporations. And uh, <clears throat> Neil, I'll give you one, and it may not give you any comfort at all, um, but one of the things that might give a lot of small business owners out there comfort is, you know, most small businesses are not do not operate as a, as a C corporation. Um, a lot of small businesses operate as, you know, S corporations, right. you know, LLC taxes an S core or LLC taxes a partnership or sole proprietor. But <laughs> not, as, uh, as, as our, as our boy Lee Corso would say, not so fast. Right. Um, cause there is the potential of raising, uh, the taxes on folks who he said make, he would not raise raise taxes on people who make less than four hundred, but that's only if you're married. If you are single, uh, your taxes will go up if you make two hundred. Mm-hmm. So, so um, you know, maybe we should get into videoing these things, and I'll pull a Lee Corso, and I'll go get those big mascot heads. But I'll get one of like uh, Biden and uh, and Jay Powell, and probably get one for Trump too, just to just to piss people off. Uh, but yeah, I think, uh, I think there's, I think there's, you know, there, there is some merit to doing some infrastructure stuff. I just don't see how he gets the whole thing through. Um, well, he's making a bet on, he's making a long-term bet, you know, on the economy in the short term. We, we have essentially, you know, and I see a lot of people talk about it when I, when I just look at comments and news and just listen to, to talking heads that, you know, you don't, you don't put an infrastructure plan in during a recession. You don't raise taxes during a, a phase like this. But the truth of the matter is um, we're not in a recession and we are in an expansion period for the next, you know, let's say 12 to who knows, 48, 60, 72 months. And I'm just trying to be the contrarian here that, that the timing you know, there's never a good time to raise taxes on, on corporations. And we see that in the market. The, the, the tax cut in 2017 really saved. Um, in my, from my perspective, when they cut taxes, the corporate tax rate down, 
that's what saved valuations in the stock market, and that's what kept it going. Um, the only other way that the market could have gotten back to fair value would be for a decrease in stock prices. And instead, Trump's tax plan made every business more profitable across the board. And so all of their valuation metrics immediately went to, you know, tilted towards fair value as opposed to being overvalued. And so the exact opposite will happen um, if the corporate tax rate is increased you take a company's profits and projections for the next five years, which is what their stock price is based on, and that comes down because they're paying more in taxes. So that, in effect, is a major headwind on markets in general if it, if it was to go through. But with that being said, this is, the, this is the, in Economic 101, Economics 101, this is really about 501, but you, you, uh, you know, master, the only time to, level econ. you know, you, the expansionary phase is when you would tax more and create infrastructure because it creates a longer term benefit to everybody down the road. Um, so let me interrupt you real quick, Reed, for the people that yeah. aren't up to date on this. It's a $2 trillion proposal. It's a $2 right. trillion infrastructure and jobs package. $621 billion of that is a transportation infrastructure plan. That would spend $174 billion of that on electric vehicles. This is all part of that plan to really expand uh, green energy jobs. Includes yeah. a network of 500,000 electric vehicle stations using electric vehicles and bus fleets and replacing the federal government's fleet of diesel transit vehicles with electric vehicles. Okay. It, would yeah, also, that- it would also tax incentives and rebates for electric cars. Another $115 billion would pay for fixing roads and bridges. Um, This includes 20,000 miles of highways and roads, uh, the 10 most economically significant bridges in the U.S., as well as 10,000 smaller bridges. Another $85 billion is set aside for modernizing transit systems and $80 billion for a uh, growing backlog of Amtrak repairs, as well as improvements and route expansion. Uh, Airports ports and waterways uh, would also receive improvement. The second part is a $650 billion um, influx into uh, quality of life at home, it says. The largest part of the plan focuses on American homes, school buildings, underground water infrastructure, and broadband expansion. The plan would spend $213 billion to build, preserve, and retrofit more than 2 million affordable homes and commercial buildings, $100 billion for constructing or modernizing public schools, Um, and then there's some other uh, smaller things there, and then there's $400 billion into uh, improving the access to quality, affordable home or community-based care for the elderly and people with disabilities. It would also boost pay for care workers, um, including um, focusing on um, making more uh, funds available for women of color who typically earn about $12 per hour for too long. Caregiving has been unseen, underpaid, and undervalued, Biden said. And then the uh, fourth part, $300 billion in the plan would be invested in manufacturing including support for domestic production of technologies and critical goods. Another $50 billion would go towards semiconductor manufacturing and uh, 
In research, the plan would spend $180 billion on new research and development with an emphasis on clean energy, fewer emissions, and climate change research. That total includes $100 billion for worker training and an increase of uh, worker protection, protection systems. Biden wants to raise the corporate tax to 28% to pay for the plan. That's the percentage corporations paid before Trump's tax cuts in 2017. Biden also wants to increase the minimum tax on U.S. multinational corporations to 21%. The plan would eliminate a rule that allows U.S. companies to pay no taxes on the first 10% of returns when they locate investments in other countries. And under the tax hikes and other reforms, eliminating tax loopholes for intellectual property and denying companies deductions for offshoring jobs, for example, the White House projects the spending would be fully paid in 15 years and reduce deficits in the following years. That's a lot of words. Yikes. <laughs> um, do we want to bust them up into small pieces? I'm um, a, I, I just wanted to, for the people out there that are like, hey, what are y'all talking about? I just was referring, you know, my, my job here is to, is to be the village idiot, and it's also sometimes to be the village journalist. And so I thought, you know, let's not assume that everyone knows exactly what we're talking about. Some people are busy. And I said, let's, let's fill people in on what it is that we're talking about. So that, that is the plan. It's a, it's, there's a lot there. Um, I normally don't give much credit to USA Today, but they did a pretty good job of summarizing. So you can go find that at usatoday.com if you want to uh, read it again for your, for your own consumption. But for the sake of setting up the discussion that you guys will have about this, I thought I would fill the listener in on what it is we were talking about. And I should have saved my thoughts and summary for after that. Cause yeah, that was very, that was, that, that was a good idea to read that out because what all I heard when you were he- reading is exactly what I, w- I was thinking before that we're sacrificing the earnings of, of corporations that can afford it right now for a long-term investment into our economy. And, and, and I, and I don't have any, I mean, that's great. I think anytime you do make an infrastructure change, you're, you're creating a lot of jobs. You're creating a lot of money flow. That's that's awesome. I don't know if I like that corporations are going to be the ones responsible for paying for it. Well, and that, But that's always kind of been the case. So was, and you're right. It's going to be a hit to corporate earnings because an increase in taxes means a decrease in, in net profits. And then, uh, you know, for, I think for the companies that are still in expansion stage, it'll just be less distributions or less dividends out. Um, but, you know, companies that are trying to build probably mean delaying of projects, delaying of hiring, you know, new people, which will have an, impri- an, an impact on stock prices as well. But, you know, one of the things you're reading, Neil, that really kind of, you know, hits home for us here in Jackson is... Um, is the the one that was the six hundred fifty billion uh, for infrastructures like uh, water systems and sewer systems? Because you know, and I'm not I'm not saying that the federal government government needs to come in and be the savior of Jackson, Mississippi's water system. I think it's been due to mismanagement of the city. Um, you know, in the last fifty years of not doing routine maintenance. Um, you know, not, not spending the money that they should be spending and, and, uh, and repairing and, and replacing when they need to, uh, you know, the infrastructure here, the water system specifically. And I live in a section of Jackson that 
you know, all of our, all of our mains and all of that stuff were, were replaced not too long ago. So, you know, when we had the freeze come through here, it didn't really impact me, but it really did impact the, the people who were on in West Jackson and South Jackson, uh, man, some of them were out, were without water for, you know, almost a month, which is crazy to think in, you know, a first world country, like, like the U S that there are, there's a capital city that the citizens didn't have water for, for a month, like drinkable water or water period for an entire month. Um, but that's been due to the mismanagement of the city. That's not the taxpayer's fault. That's not, you know, the corporations that are going to be footing the bill for this, for this fault. And there's debates and I'm not trying to get political, um, but it's going to sound like it. There's debates going on, you know, amongst the city, between the city and the state, the city's asking the state to step in and the state's saying, well, you know, you got yourself in this situation. So you just want us to bail you out of the situation and then us have no say or no impact into, um, you know, what happens next so that in 50 years from now, same, we're going to be doing the same thing, same song and dance. And so there's a power struggle going on there. And, you know, the city, the city does have some valuable property, uh, that the state has said, Hey, you know, you collateralize it with this and we're all in. And, and it's a, you know, that has been a, a total cluster. Um, but you know, and, and probably some of these places with really crumbling infrastructures, it's, it's very likely due to, you know, to poor management, uh, on the city's part. And that's just kind of, uh, man, that's where I get, I separate from probably the pack and saying, you know, why should people who manage their affairs properly be penalized for the people who can't manage their affairs, their affairs properly. And that's what this really looks like to me. I'll probably get hate mail for that. Well, my only concern with it, frankly, and not to get on the whole global warming, green energy debate at all, because I'm not qualified for that. Me either. I, I do have a concern, honestly. My, my common sense alerts go off a little bit when we uh, talk about electric this and electric that and getting away from fuel and fossil fuels and petroleum and all that. My common sense alarm goes off and says it's not going to happen and that this ends up being a lot of a lot of money invested into an industry that ultimately isn't going to do what some of the people who are advocates for it want it to do. Yeah, I mean, I thought one of the, you know, replacing a lot. And when I lived in D.C., I saw this a lot. Um, you know, all the buses there, and I took I took public transportation everywhere. Um, the buses in D.C. all ran off of uh, natural gas. And that was uh, an answer to the, uh, you know, trying to get cleaner energy and things like that. And man, I have, I don't, I have no room to, to really opine on, on the electric vehicle stuff. I think electric vehicles are really cool. Um, do I think that we're going to totally replace fossil fuel fleets with electric vehicles? I don't think that's realistic. I mean, just from a, you know, a cost standpoint and you get into the whole debate of, you know, people talking about, well, it's clean and you say, well, yeah, but then you have to plug the thing in to charge. And how does that charger get power? Well, it's power through electricity. Well, how, where, where is the electricity sourced from? Is it sourced from a coal plant? Is it sourced from, you know, a nuclear facility? Um, so there's a whole back argument on that piece too, about, 
you know, is the carbon footprint really reduced? And I don't, I don't know enough to, to give an, an answer there, but I know it's a debate that's happening and it does trip me out about, I don't know if you've ever seen, you probably have some of the memes where an electric vehicle has lost its charge and they, <laughs> they drive a, you know, a diesel burning, uh, recovery vehicle out there and plug it into a generator that runs off of diesel, which is just absolutely hysterical that, <laughs> that it's diesel powering the electricity behind the scenes in the infrastructure. But, um, you know, as it kind of pulling it back to, uh, you know, how does this impact people on a day to day? How does it impact their wallets? How does it impact their, you know, their 401ks, you know, just like Reed said a few minutes ago, um, you know, if corporate tax rates on, on corporations go up from 21 to 28%, then that's a, that is a reduction in earnings. Um, so they're either not, they're going to pay less of a dividend or a smaller dividend, um, you know, to the investors, or they're going to not invest into more people, more plants, more, uh, more growth in themselves because they're having to give 7% more, uh, you know, to the government. And if you, so if you have a margin that's, uh, and I say it's 7%, it's, it's the taxes going up 7%, but a percentage of, you know, of the income, um, you know, is, could be pretty significant to where projects get delayed or don't get done. Uh, and then, you know, that impacts stock price. So, uh, people will find the stock a little less valuable, uh, or they're not willing to pile as much into it as they were before stock price will either flatten, you know, or go down. So, and that's kind of the cycle of, uh, you know, of, of the world. And, you know, I'll let Reed jump in and, and clean up anything that, that the coffee, the coffee delivery person, uh, left muddy. Well, no, I mean, from a, from a market standpoint, I, it's pretty simple when you, you know, you increase taxes. There's a lot of businesses that will ancillary ancillary businesses that will benefit from a, a infrastructure package, but the the ones you're trading on the the market day to day, it's it's a it's definitely a headwind, and I think it's a good segue into, you know, where we are in the markets right now. I don't know if y'all saw this this morning, but we crossed four thousand for the first time, first time ever on the S and P five hundred. Um, so we are literally at all time highs, all time highs. Yeah. You know, and let's talk about something you said, because there are going to be some companies that benefit from this infrastructure package. Absolutely. So like, I think of like Caterpillar, right? Big, heavy machinery probably does well uh, when there's a lot of infrastructure spending, correct? Yes. Uh, like, what are some others that you could think of? Like John Deere. Well, most of, most of your industrials have will figure out a way to get their foot in the so like yeah. raw materials. The guys that are producing the, uh, you know, I guess petroleum for asphalt and then steel makers and so there's still there are opportunities for investing. You know, even because uh, there's going to be companies that benefit. And uh, I'm just trying to think of of some off the top of my head that it makes makes sense. It just Caterpillar just jumps out to me immediately because i always think of heavy machinery and well I mean, if you got if you had a if you had a f economics professor in this room right now and maybe we should do it sometime their argument would be that not only are you helping the companies that that figure out a way to get their foot into this game but you're increasing the cash flow you create jobs you're creating you know which goes to consumer staples to consumer discretionary you're you're floating consumer activity 
in the world. And so that, and that's why my initial summary, I said, you're making a, you're making a longer term economic bet at, you know, at the hands of who's paying for it. And that's, that's just the way our markets work. Um, and so the argument for doing it now would be that we are at all time highs. Yeah. Um, versus doing it when we're coming out of a recession or, or struggling. Yeah. And so, you know, the, I think, and it's one thing I wanted to cover when I, the first, cause it was something I, I just had a, a long conversation with a couple guys yesterday about the markets and where we are, why people really are so bullish. And I, it, it, a couple things just caught my opinion. I mean, caught my attention during the call that I feel like if our perspectives that, that everybody would benefit from hearing. And it comes down to, you know, everybody kind of feels like this Corona deal was a short term blip and it changed the world. And it, was it a real recession? Are we really, are we really going into an expansionary period? But when you look at the economics, when you just look at pure GDP um, market related data, we were essentially in a depression last year. We were in a healthcare induced healthcare sector induced the government, the government shut down the, our country. We, we were in a depression. And so when people say, Hey, look, you know, most recessions I've experienced in my life, you think most people think the savings and loan crisis or the tech bubble or the great recession in 2008, they were three year periods where, right. You know, GDP was trending at three to 5% every year for five, 10 years. And then it dropped negative and was down to negative five. And then jobs started coming back and, you know, the government put some money in the system. All of that happened. It just happened in like a six short months. Period of time, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it went from, you know, we, we were, GDP was down 33% the yeah. second quarter of last year. Yeah. We had an event driven recession. And so when we think about where we are in the business cycle, we are, we'll have 8% GDP um, next quarter or the last quarter of this year. And so, you know, those are, that's real economic growth and that is actually happening. And so, if you were going to, if you're, if you're going to stick a, stick somebody in the side, do it while they're healthy and fed. And I mean, this is when you would, this is when you would make a long-term bet on the economy because you can afford it. Um, and by sticking someone on the side, you were talking about raising taxes. Yeah. I mean, if you stick somebody in the side that hadn't had water in a couple of days and is hungry and mad, they might just go ahead and lay down and die, lay down and die. If you stick, you stick people in the side when they, you know. When you stick Neil in the side who's fit, drinks a lot of water, and eats correct, he may not die. He's going to. He'll survive, but he'll be pissed. He's going to be a little injured. That's right. Sorry, Neil. We picked it's on him. It's all right, man. But I, I, have some, I have some kickboxing training. There's no, and I'd be the guy laying down and dying. <laughs> just be careful. I, I I went to kickboxing classes. <clears throat> yeah, hey, I don't want I don't want to get my face kicked in. Yeah, I'm just, well, don't stick me in the side. <laughs> Touche. Hey, uh, that, Sure, that's the conversation Apple, Coca Cola, and these other businesses are having with the lobbyists and the, and the, uh, right. And, and the, uh, what's the, they're sitting outside the, the Congress right now saying, Hey, look, like, Hey, we brought you through this recession. We and now brought you're gonna you through us. the recession. We hung tight during Corona and now you're going to stab us. Um, and the politicians are saying, Yes. Yes. We're trying to at least. Well, that's why a lot of people don't – what you are just describing is why a lot of people don't think in the end this is going to pass. Certainly not right. not to this degree because a lot of these politicians then have to turn around and go see their constituencies and their constituencies say, hey, look, you do know you're going to be back on the ballot here in a, a year from November and we're going to make you pay for this. 
So there is there is a system of checks and balances. I know that there's people out there that don't think there is, but there is. And a lot of the experts just don't believe this can pass like this. They think this is going to be Biden's first pass at it, and he'll have to he'll have to dial it down. I think that I think that too, Neil. I mean, he's just going in and asking for everything, knowing that he's not going to get it. You know, and it might be that they say things just like you said, like, "Dude, we're not giving you, you know, whatever it was, a hundred and seventy-five billion dollars to go buy electric vehicles." That's that's out. And they may say, you know, we're not going to give you, you know, we'll give you half of this over here or half of this. I think there'll be concessions. And, you know, could it end up being a one and a half trillion? Maybe. Um, you know, maybe it's a one trillion. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think you're spot on. All right, Martin, yeah, I know there were some other topics you guys wanted to get to. Well, I mean, one of the, the big one was uh, – you know, the S&P kind of crossing 4,000 was huge. Um, you know, another, well, one of the things that we've been talking about uh, just kind of for funds and for grins, um, you know, has been the uh, the GameStop phenomena, which is funny because it still does just kind of, it just, it just keeps on going, man. And, um, you know, it's, I think today it's trading, let me just look for us before I say think. So as at, at 11 a.m. Uh, on Thursday, April Fool's Day, it's trading at it's trading at $188 a share, which is still, I mean, if you think about what it was in January, it's still significantly, um, still significantly higher. But you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting to watch is, um, you know, the guys, the Wall Street uh, bets guys on the Reddit forum. Um, you know, have really banded together and keep this thing, you know, kind of at a at a price point that's relatively high. I mean, its earnings came out and the earnings were not awful, but they weren't they don't support a price level of of you know 188. Um, but I did listen to a, another one of the we'll call them the stonk, the meme stocks. I was listening to um the CEO from AMC Holdings this morning talk. And, um, you know, and they were another one that, uh, you know, the wall street crowd, the wall street, uh, bets crowd rallied around and, um, you know, and really protected and insulated them from, from the shorts and, uh, and from the shorts trying to force them into bankruptcy. And, you know, one of the things that was really impressive about what that guy is doing versus I haven't heard anything out of GameStop. Um, you know, they're talking about going to shareholders and trying to get an authorization for another 500 million shares of stock to sell, um, which, you know, at their price, um, which is, which is, you know, higher than it was. I think they're up like, I don't know, maybe 300% um, year to date or something like that. I may be wrong about that, but, uh, you know, at the price that they're at, it's like, it makes a whole, that's actually, it's a pretty good move if you issue more stock and bring some cash into the business because then he could pay off some of his high interest debts or, you know, invest into uh, acquisitions of other theaters because um, they are uh, the largest, you know, theater or, or uh, what, I guess what would they be called? An, an exhibitor is what they called them, a, uh, a company that owns theaters, you know, in the, in the country. So, you know, it's kind of opportunistic. GameStop missed that opportunity, um, but it sounds like the AMC guys are, are doing it. So it's interesting to watch what's happening, um, you know, from uh, from these two, from these two companies that that Wall Street crew, the Wall Street bets crew, 
um, really, really insulated for some con- from some carnage. Uh, and I'll be interested to see what happens going forward. I still, I still can't bring myself to buy it for clients because we have a fiduciary responsibility to our clients, which means that we don't, <laughs> you know, take bets uh, with their money. Uh, so I just can't, I can't find a way to, to, to bring myself to say it makes sense in any client's portfolios, but it is kind of fascinating to watch. Yeah. The whole, the whole GameStop thing to this day just is over my head. I don't, I don't completely understand it. So it, it it's one that I've, I've, I have friends who've done it and they talk about it a lot, but I just almost stay away from it. You know what I mean? I just, I just don't go near it. Well, from the, you know, basic, like, fundamentals or story you know the story you've seen the story in 500 movies it's a it's a revolution that is there you know the government or the sec whoever is trying to figure out how to stop it calm it down and there's going to be little pockets that come up and this this is going to play out for a couple years until a law is created where this can't happen or it prevails i mean this is just this is one of those new normals yeah, I just looked up AMC as well. It was trading at two dollars a share in the beginning of January, and it's trading pretty close to ten. So it's up five times, five hundred percent. So yeah, for a, a, a company that it, it is a great time for if they decide to issue stock and sell it. I mean, it's he's going to be able to get five times the amount of money he would have gotten out of a single share, you know, three months ago. So it is, but you're, what you said, Neil, is is the truth. This is not investing. AMC and GameStop are not investing. It is it is straight up pure speculation. It is gambling, um, because there's it's a house of cards. Because stocks are generally priced on their cash flows, their earnings, their value, and these these are just way overbid, over bid up way too far for you know what their what their cash flows and their value, you know actually um, actually should where it should be valued. Um, but you know, one of the others that has been, um, that's been interesting to watch too, and is, uh, just the cryptocurrency world is, uh, you know, that's another one that I know is, is hard to understand. And even Neil for even, even me, um, and, and I know Reed, we had a, we had a call with a guy on Tuesday of this week, just diving further in, you know, trying to understand more and understand the benefits of, you know, not the Bitcoin piece, but more so the Ethereum and the uh, and the blockchain piece. But it's been, uh, you know, that's another one that's just kind of fascinating to watch. And then you see, you know, in the news, all of these, the non-fungible tokens, which, you know, Marcos actually talked about at the end of December, um, you know, have been some of the art stuff that sold. You know, I think it was uh, Jack Dorsey's first tweet. $160 million digital art yeah or 60 million was it you, 60 well, you, or 160 yeah you own the rights to the yeah to the, the my, my wife walked in and i was drinking coffee on saturday morning she said somebody bought digital art for 160 million dollars <laughs> and i said well they must have a lot of money <laughs> yeah yeah that more than me but it's that's something we'll continue to watch too neil is uh i mean i do think that crypto is is here to stay i don't think it's going to be a a fad you know uh, 2017, I did think it was going to be a fad and that it would just disappear. And I was wrong about that. Um, I'll admit it, but it's kind of like, you know, I think investing in crypto right now is like, if you would have invested into internet companies in the mid nineties, um, 
you know, it's kind of like not sure if there's going to be a business model that's going to come out of it. But if you just bit the bullet and bought, bought some it of all, it, you're going to benefit somehow. You're going to benefit somehow. Yeah. And, and I almost look, Neil, when I when I think about crypto, I almost look at it more as a a hedge, almost like people would look at gold 20 years ago or, you know, buying silver or commodity. Just if I'm looking, if I had $10 million that's supposed to last me the rest of my life, and I know that the cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin, which has a finite number of shares and there's so it's, it's strictly based on supply demand, you know, you, I would have five to 10% of my portfolio in crypto is a hedge on the other currencies blowing up or some other kind of event where people flight to, you know, a universal investment. And I think, I think Bitcoin is a hedge on currencies, markets, world order, um, you name it. And that's, that's why it's relevant to me. Outside of that, I don't think there's any reason to invest in it from a purely skeptical investment because you're you're truly gambling we we do not know how what bitcoin is going to be doing over the next two years it could be up another thousand percent or it could go away yeah it's worth what someone's willing to pay for that's right just kind of like gold man i mean gold doesn't really have any value other than it's worth what someone is willing to pay for and i mean transporting gold is cumbersome you can't go to the grocery store and pay for your groceries in gold generally speaking um, generally, you're not going to go buy a car with gold. You're not going to go buy stuff with gold, but um, but it does have a an inflation purpose. It's got a you know a fear purpose because it is something that you can barter with. And I think yeah, I think Bitcoin is very much the kind of in the same same space. But what do you guys of think of this the the trading card? Uh, for lack of, a, you know, what I'm talking about the, the the people that are that are spending this these this money on on what are essentially trading cards, digital trading cards. Is that the NFTs? The yes. Non-fungible tokens. Yeah. Um, I don't understand it, man. Uh, I, I, I mean, don't, it, I don't buy tokens unless I'm playing games at the <laughs> Um, I think it'd be a good. That's a good question for Marcos to kind of give us a little bit of understanding too, because I really. I know like Marcos got, he bought a piece of art um, and it was not an expensive piece of art, but uh, it was a digital art, which he has, he's the only person with the rights to use that piece of art. Um, You know, and and it was an, it's an NFT, um, the non-fungible tokens. And I think the cards are falling in the same bucket, but, but Neil, I don't, I really don't understand it enough to, to tell you, you know, any, give you an explanation on anything other than, People just want to do it. And it's theirs all by themselves. No yeah. one else can have it. Just a just a strange thing. Uh, I don't know if are you a Marvel fan? No. I mean I've seen it. I'm not a I'm not a not a fan, but it's not my thing. I mean when Carson well, was little, we would go sometimes, but he he never got into it either, so I didn't. So dude, the last Avengers movie called Endgame, um, you know, some of our listeners are probably Marvel fans and some of our listeners are probably like, this guy's a total nerd, which is true. Both, both true. are true. Um, uh, so the Hulk has found a way to kind of make him uh, body of the Hulk, but the personality and demeanor and, um, you know, in smooth thinking of Dr. Banner and with Banner's face instead of the Hulk's face. And, uh, you know, he's sitting down 
with some of the Avengers at a table and they make a comment and he's like, you know, these are strange times or these are weird times. And it's, man, that's that, that, that quote is perfectly applied here when we're talking about people trading cards and other things. These are, these are strange times. These are weird times. Yeah. That, that is, that's some of that stuff just, I, I, and look, I'm not I'm not belittling the Bitcoin thing. I've had this conversation with you guys privately, and I've had it with a lot of other people. When they're like, "Are you into Bitcoin?" and it's it's, I know what what I probably should be to some degree, like you said, and I'm I'm hoping that the people that do my investments are you know keeping an eye on it. But I don't understand it, and and and, and it's funny how many people I've had that conversation with who are like, "Yeah, I don't I don't really either." And I'm talking about people that are a lot smarter than me. Just it's still such a new thing, and it's such a you know, you're used to, like you talked about gold, you're used to money you can put it in your hands. Yep. And, and you know, when when it's something that's non-tangible like that, it's it's, uh, it's kind of scary. It's kind of intimidating, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, no different than gold, right? Because, I mean, most people store their gold somewhere, right? Their physical gold. Yeah. Or they just, they have a certificate that says they own it. It's not actually in their hands. And crypto is in some sense, the same way. And I will say, uh, Neil, for that are people that are interested, you know, in purchasing crypto, there's not a lot of opportunities in the publicly public exchange markets. So like you can't, there's, there's a, there's a trust that you can buy in company that issued it is called grayscale. Um, and they have some Bitcoin funds, but man, they, they trade at a premium to the actual value of the Bitcoins underneath. So not only are you paying for the value of the Bitcoin, but you're also, it's a premium on top of it. Um, the SEC is trying to, uh, from what I understand, they're trying to move through some, you know, some exchange traded products, ETPs, which would be like an ETF, an exchange traded fund that would just track Bitcoin, but it's not there yet. Um, most people that are buying it are not buying it through their advisors unless they're dumping in like twenty five, fifty, hundred thousand dollars into into Bitcoin. Um, and I mean, I don't know if you're trying to drop twenty five or fifty or hundred thousand into Bitcoin, but I'm just going to make the assumption you're not. And uh, so, if you're wanting to buy, you know, a thousand dollars or you know, two thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin or something like that, there are digital wallets that you can use. Um, probably one of the most popular is called Coinbase. They're an exchange. Um, and you just download the, you know, the app on your phone or you can go to the website and you log in and, and you can purchase Bitcoin and they store it for you as well. Um, so you see the value of it every day, just like your brokerage account, but you're not able to get it through, you know, through an advisor. Um, and there are fees that are pretty significant on there. You know, it's too, about 2% or so in and out. So uh, pretty significant fees if you're trading, especially if you're trading it. So I just wanted to throw that little yeah. tidbit just in case people are curious, like, you know, because you can even start with 25, 50, hundred bucks. You can do $25 a month, you know, $10 every two weeks. You can buy portions of, of, of Bitcoin rather than having to buy an entire coin. All right. Anything else from you guys? Dude, I think I'm. I think I need to stop talking. <laughs> okay. Come on, dude. All right. Well, we will. Uh, we'll shut it down there. Reed, again, thanks for your time. Always good to ha have you on the show. We'd love to do it again. Absolutely. Thank y'all for having me.
All right, that does it for this episode of Mind on My Money. Again, happy Easter to everybody. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back next week with another edition of the show. Don't forget, Pintrust.com, P-I-N-N-Trust.com. Mention that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on the podcast to get 10% off your first year's fees. For Reed Davis, for Martin Palomo, I'm Neil McCready. Take care.